welcome to the Partners for Access Rare Disease and Cell and Gene Therapy Weekly Roundup. I'm your host, Joanna Fernandez. Every week, we at Partners for Access will bring you the most important news developments in the orphan drug, cell and gene therapy world and what it means for you. This week, the P4A team will discuss the US FDA guidance on gene therapy, UK's Brexit white paper and the new measures by the French government to stimulate access to new drugs. Our first topic is the US. The FDA has published six guidance documents related to gene therapy, of which three are updates to existing guidelines. The guideline is intended to assist sponsors in the design of clinical development programs, where there may be a limited study population size, potential feasibility and safety issues, as well as issues relating to the interpretation of effectiveness. Christina Potion, consultant here at P4A, is here to tell us more about the other three guidelines that are new and focus on disease-specific aspects. So the first two are on hemophilia and retinal disorders, disorders in which gene therapies are quite advanced. And the third one focuses on gene therapies in rare diseases, and this is what I'd like to focus on for today. So first of all, the FDA recognizes the differences between rare diseases and the more common diseases. On the one hand, there are the limited patient numbers, challenges that it brings when you design your clinical trials, recruiting patients, building reliable insights and recommendations. And those are all the challenges orphan and gene therapy manufacturers are facing. However, the FDA also underlines that companies need to stick to good manufacturing procedures and need to assess and set critical quality attributes as early as possible in clinical trials, in particular in new therapy forms with limited amount of experience and potentially unclear mechanisms of action. When designing the clinical trial, the guidelines suggest that single-arm trials with historic controls, for example, from initial observation periods would be accepted if randomization does not seem feasible for ethical reasons or because of extremely limited patient numbers. There are some precursors though. If a manufacturer wants to work with a single arm study design, natural history data are a potential control. And this is important to keep in mind. The treatment population need to match in terms of the demographics, concurrent treatment, disease state and any other relevant factor. And this is in contrast to what several of the European HDA authorities would prefer. The last two points I'd like to make are what we hear over and over again when we speak to our European and US payer contacts. Manufacturers should discuss their endpoint choice with the FDA and the EMA. The endpoint should be patient-relevant and appropriate and validated for the respective disease. In addition, payers and regulators like to see longitudinal data and follow-up time, in particular when there's limited experience around the compound. Now on to Brexit news. On July 12th, the much-awaited white paper outlining the UK's proposed plan on its future relationship with the European Union was published. This is draft guidance, and the EU has yet to react to it. However, it provides a good indication as to what the UK government aims to achieve with Brexit, and fills in gaps that many have been concerned about since the Brexit vote. So what does this mean for the biotech industry? Well, to summarise, the UK proposes to establish a new free trade area and maintain common rules for all goods, including medicines. Downing Street wishes to remain part of the EMA and will accept its rules and contribute to its costs. Any decision already made by the EMA will continue to be valid throughout the UK. However, the UK will only recognise the rulings of the European Court of Justice in regards to pharmaceuticals if it is applied EU-wide, 
and not if it only pertains to the UK. The UK also proposes a facilitated customs agreement, which aims to maintain current frictionless trade between the UK and EU. The proposal aims to maintain the integrity of the EU customs union while also allowing the UK to pursue an independent trade policy, where the EU and UK can apply varying tariffs on goods. In addition, manufacturers will only need to undergo one series of tests in either market in order to place products in both. The UK proposes a science and innovation accord that allows UK participation in EU research funding programmes, including Horizon Europe and Euroatom Research, as well as continued cooperation through joint networks, infrastructure, policies and agencies which are to the UK's and EU joint benefit, for example, the European reference networks. Yesterday, four amendments were made to this white paper. One, amendment to the customs bill in which the UK will not collect tariffs on behalf of the EU unless the EU is willing to reciprocate. Two, an amendment that makes it illegal to have a customs border under the Irish Sea. Three and four pertain to the UK remaining out of the EU's VAT regime, meaning new legislation will be required in the UK if the government wants to form a customs union with the EU in the future. However, this also prevents the UK from having to abide by the EU's ultimate goal of having a single VAT area, where companies can consider cross-border VAT trade as domestic operations. This is intended to be achieved by 2022. Now on to France and its changes in the ATU system. Over to you, Apana. The French Prime Minister, Edward Philippe, announced a series of measures aimed at increasing patient access to new drugs as part of the 8th Strategic Council of Health Industries. The Council was created in 2004 to develop a shared vision of the future of the biotech sector and address concerns of manufacturers. The new measures include an expansion of the ATU or Temporary Use Authorization System, which enables access to new drugs before they gain full market authorization. So far, the ATU allows for marketing under only one indication that is specified in the initial application. The expansion will enable multiple indications of the same drug to be considered as part of the application. Additionally, the government has pledged to bring down the time to market access to 180 days. Currently, it takes 530 days from the date of market authorization to publication of the selling price in the official gazette. Another concession is a three-year forecast of future social security funding laws to manufacturers from existing annual change in laws. Mr. Philippe also announced that a new mission letter has been sent to the chairman of the Economic Committee for Health Products to simplify the procedure for setting the price of drugs. Finally, the French government is also considering a revision of the evaluation for drugs. The current system is based on the medical benefit of the drug and improvement of the actual benefit when compared to existing treatments. Pharmaceutical associations believe that this system is reaching its limits, especially when there is no comparable drug. These new measures, when implemented, will embody a sea change in the way new drugs are evaluated, priced and available to patients in France. New guidelines are expected in the next few weeks that will give more details on the methodology of evaluation and the new pricing structure. So watch this space. 
And that's it for this week. For more news and analysis, go to our website, www.partnersforaccess.com. Subscribe to our podcast from iTunes and do share your thoughts in the comments section. See you next week.